Our epistle lesson is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. This is Philippians 3, verses 4b through 14. If anyone else has reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, I'm a Pharisee. With respect to devotion to the faith, I harassed the church. With respect to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. These things were my assets, but I wrote them off as a loss for the sake of Christ. But even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost I think of as sewer trash, so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ I have a righteousness that is not my own, and that does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. The righteousness that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the participation in his sufferings. It includes being conformed to his death, so that I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. It's not that I've already reached this goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Athletics was a big deal in Paul's day. After all, it was the Greeks who brought to us what we now know as the Olympics. So Paul and Paul's readers were familiar with athletic contests. And Paul will at times refer to athletics as a metaphor for the Christian life. Being something of a sports fan myself, I, I like Paul's metaphors because there is a lot of discipline that goes with being an athlete and, and a lot of striving and a lot of work. And Paul likes to talk about this in, in those terms. I, I spent last night, I, I was at a uh, retreat leading worship last night and on the way home I caught the second half of the Duke-UNC basketball game. Y'all, I will confess to you that I am probably the only Methodist minister in the state of Mississippi who is not a Duke fan. <laughs> if my voice sounds a little hoarse tonight, it's because I was screaming at the top of my lungs in the car on the way home from Biloxi last night at the radio. But what you saw that night, what you saw last night if you watched any of the game, were two elite teams coached by two very good coaches. And, and the discipline that it takes to play at that level is impressive. And the, the work that those, that those guys put in to be able to reach the point that they have reached is, is really something to see. And, and so you can see where Paul takes this idea of, of athletics and of pressing on and uses it in terms of the Christian life. Now, Paul's not interested in earthly accolades, if you will. 
his talk here by going over, reciting his faith history. He said, if anybody could earn, if anybody has reason to have confidence in the flesh, if anybody has reason to believe that they could earn their way into heaven, I've got it. And it may have been Yogi Berra who said, it ain't bragging if you've actually done it. What Paul is saying to us sounds a little like bragging, but Paul actually did these things. Paul fulfilled the basic requirements of the law. He was circumcised on the eighth day. His heritage was a Jew. He was born of the people of Israel, could trace his heritage back to the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So he had, his lineage was as pure as pure gets. With respect to observing the law, I'm a Pharisee. Now, y'all, we're used to hearing in the Gospels, the Pharisees talked about is those are the bad guys, right? It's always Jesus versus the Pharisees. But the Pharisees were the ones who were the experts at following the law. They were the ones who had written the 600 and something laws that they expected people to adhere to. And the Pharisees did their best. They were the only people, really, who did their best to follow all of those laws. And Paul says, I did it. I was a Pharisee. I was one of the best. With respect to devotion to the faith, I harassed the church. He was such a dedicated Pharisee that he persecuted the Christians under the name of Saul. With respect to righteousness under the law, I am blameless. Paul had done everything right, if you will. But Paul really came to realize after he met Christ that doing everything right didn't really mean a thing. Having all the right credentials, being born into the faith, following all the laws, was worthless. More than worthless. The, the Common English Bible translates the word that Paul uses as sewer trash. The actual word that Paul uses is closer to a more crude English word, which I will not repeat in the pulpit. But you get the idea that Paul is making the emphatic point that all of these accolades, all of the stuff that he did right was absolutely, fundamentally, completely worthless compared to knowing Christ. Didn't mean a thing. He had it all. And he was ready to give it all up. He tells the Philippians earlier in this letter He's been persecuted at this point. The tables have turned. And Paul, by this time, has been jailed a few times. He's been beaten a few times. He tells the Philippians, you know, I don't know at this point whether it'd be better for me to die or to live. Because if I live, I get to be here with y'all and work with y'all and teach y'all about Christ. But if I die, I get to go be with Christ. He says, I'm not sure at this point which one's better for me, but I'm going to leave it in God's hands to decide where he wants me. The Philippian church was a really special church to Paul. You'll, if you read the epistles at all, you'll see that Paul has very different relationships with his different churches. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect denominations now. There were no perfect churches in Paul's day. Some of the churches, Paul has a very warm relationship with. 
Some churches, like the church at Corinth, Paul ran hot and cold with. Sometimes they got along great, and sometimes he would fuss at them and chew them out. The church at Galatia, he got so mad at that if you read the le Paul's letter to the Galatians, in every other letter, Paul starts by thanking God for that church. Paul is so mad at the Galatians, he leaves the thank you out. He, for he doesn't even bother to thank God for this church. He's so angry at them for what they're doing. The Philippian church was the only church that Paul would let support him financially. Paul was a tradesman. He was a tent maker. And so Paul supported himself financially as he went around to these different churches. He may have had some patrons who also provided support, but he, for the most part, worked on his own. He did not want the churches paying his way. I think there were two reasons for that. One, he didn't want to be beholden to the churches. And he didn't want the churches thinking that they could control what he was going to do. So he kept an independent relationship from the churches, except for the Philippians. The Philippians he trusted to understand. The Philippians he trusted to support him and not hold it against him. So they had a really close relationship. And this little letter is a wonderful little letter. It's only four chapters. If you've never read it, it is worth taking some time this afternoon to sit down and read it. It doesn't take long. It's an easy read. But Paul has some wonderful theology in here. And, and I wanted to, to bring this to you rather than bringing the, the story of Jesus' anointing for burial because we're, we're coming to the end of Lent. Easter is almost here, y'all. We've got Palm Sunday next Sunday. We've got Easter the Sunday after that. We're, we're here. If you've been keeping up your, your Lenten discipline for these 40 days, you're almost done. But at the same time, Easter, it's the end of Lent, but it's also the beginning. It's the beginning of our walk with the resurrected Christ. And so I, I wanted to take some time today to look at Paul's words to the Philippians here. Because Paul pursues righteousness. He pursues Christ with a single-mindedness. He is not worried about anything else. He's not worried about what happened in the past. He says, this one thing I do. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. If you've ever watched track meets, which I honestly, I only watch at the Olympics, but when you see like the relay races where the runners, you're running as hard as you can, and you're the, when they're getting ready to hand off, what the runner, the lead runner is stretching out as far as he can behind him, the lead runner is stretching out as far as she can in front of her. That's the kind of thing that Paul's talking about, that we, that we reach for Christ with everything we've got. Not to earn our salvation. Christ took care of that for us on the cross. We don't have to earn our salvation, but we should be so grateful for what Christ has done for us that we move forward with him in faith to whatever it is he has called us to. And we don't all have one calling. We don't all have one set of gifts and graces. Different people are gifted for different things. Paul's gifts were not Peter's gifts, but they were both leaders in the church. Paul wanted the Philippians not to worry about what had been before, 
but to worry about following Christ. And I hope that in this time of Lent that you have drawn near to God, that you have found yourself renewed by God to follow him the rest of the way. Because truly, for the Christian, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If we live, we have the opportunity to serve Christ. We have the opportunity to love our neighbor like no one else does. We have the opportunity to show the world, to tell the world that, hey, there's another way, there is a better way. It's not all darkness out there. There is light, there is hope, there is love. The service I was at last night was a, a special service that, that they do at the Walk to Emmaus. And, and it's all, it all revolves around light. And the sanctuary is dark and there's all these candles. And I reminded them that, you know, the, the world, and of course, at this point, I don't have to remind them, the world is a dark place. If we hadn't gotten that message through COVID, we've got it through war, we've got it through terrorism. The world is a dark, dark place right now. And yet John in his gospel tells us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't extinguish it. Paul let his light shine. Paul's light shone so brightly that we're here 2,000 years later reading his correspondence to a congregation that we've never met, didn't know personally, and yet his words are so relevant for where we are. It's one of the things I love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't get old. Yes, it's an ancient book. Yes, it's been around a very long time, but it doesn't get old. It is amazing how relevant it is. I, I would tell my college students, I said, tell me you don't like reading the Bible. Tell me that, that you know, that, you, you, you know, that, 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 it's, it, that it's an ancient book. And I said, but don't tell me you can't relate to it. And don't tell me that it's boring. I said, there's as much sex and violence in the Bible, if you look at the Old Testament, as there isn't any soap opera that's on TV right now. I said, don't tell me it's boring. But the teachings that you get out of it are as relevant now as they are then. And every time we go through these stories, every time we go back to the letters, we hear something new. God is there to do a new thing in our hearts. So may we, as we draw near to the end of Lent, as we see that finish line in front of us of Easter, May we be reminded that that's not actually the finish line. It's just another step on the way. Another milestone on the journey. May we, like Paul, forget about what's gone behind us. Forget about the, the trials that we've been through. Forget about the mistakes that we've made. May we leave all that behind and press on toward the goal of life with Christ, that others might see Christ's light shining through us and might draw near to his light and his love. Amen.